Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Really appreciate you joining today. Thank you so much. My guest is Harvey Jurgen. He is an EOS implementer, just to get right to it. And that's an entrepreneurial operating system, if you haven't heard of that. I don't know, you might be listening to the wrong podcast if you haven't heard of that. Um, Super popular framework. Gino Wickman is the author and kind of the creator of that system. I don't know, it's been out for a decade, something like that. Books like Traction, wildly popular. A book like um, Rocket Fuel was hugely instrumental to me number of years ago and some of the company structures and decisions I've made. We are not an EOS shop DJE uh, in the, in, in the, you know, in that we have not like hired an implementer like Harvey to come in and third party set up our business with EOS, but the concepts I've absolutely adopted across all kind of facets of our business. So I'm a huge fan of the entrepreneurial operating system, huge fan of Gino Whitman the author. And then uh, it was cool to talk to Harvey because I've never actually talked to a EOS implementer. And um, it was kind of like a, a cool time to spend just asking questions and picking his brain a little bit. So now you get a chance to do that by by listening to the podcast. So great conversation with Harvey. Obviously not a very real estate heavy conversation, although he did, um, you know, he's done real estate stuff. They'd fix and flip business and he was a COO of a development company. So, you know, he's not, he's not um, a complete stranger to the real estate business, but that's not his primary focus today. So we'll get into the interview with Harvey. We've got a quick message from our sponsors. Um, If you could leave a five-star review for the DJE podcast, that helps the old algo and the reach of the show to get out there. So if you do that, uh, really appreciate it. If you want extra credit, go to chat GPT, have it write a glowing review for you and, and drop that in there. No idea if that works, but I might do something like that if I was leaving a review. Um, okay, quick message and then into the podcast here with Harvey. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. EJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Harvey, good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Good to be yeah, here. absolutely. Look forward to, to digging in here and talking some talking shop on entrepreneur stuff. Um, and wherever that goes, but why don't you give folks kind of a, an intro to you and your company, how you, how you came to what you're doing now and just kind of the backstory. Mm -hmm. From Ohio, originally from Akron, Ohio, currently live in Columbus, Ohio with my wife of 15 years. All right, man. We have three kids, girl, boy, girl, 12, 10, and nine. Ah, man, I'm right there with you. 15 years, three kids, same ages. Yep. I feel like 
ton of fun. The kids at this age are just, I mean, they're like, they're buddies, they're travel companions, they're into totally. stuff. They're, yep. it's just a blast. Former Division One athlete, played baseball at Valparaiso University, then spent some time working with the Department of Defense, with the Department of the Army as a as a manager and a team lead in, in the logistics field. And then moved around the country a bunch, wasn't spending enough time with my kids. Yep. In fact, I did, uh, this will tell you a little something about me. I did a calculation on a spreadsheet and realized I was going to witness about 40% of their childhood. Brutal. Said that uh, that's not going to work. So yep. like a lot of entrepreneurs had, uh, had a burning down, down deep and decided, you know, this, this job with the government is cushy and yep. it's safe. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna leave it. <laughs> yeah. So left it, spent some time with my kids, uh, decided I'm going to chase a couple passions, started some businesses, folded some businesses, went down a couple roads, got into real estate, operated a, a relatively well, I think a medium-sized flipping company. I'd actually had a and have a homebusters franchise here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And then uh had a partner partnership that folded last year, a couple bad deals, and then did some soul searching. Yeah. And realized uh with the help of my pod, which is uh what we call our small group of really close friends in our GoBundance community. Realized that I have a gifting for teaching and facilitating and coaching. And so I said, okay, well, I am an experienced entrepreneur and I've ran EOS in my company and in other people's companies. I, was a, I, I did a short stop as a COO for a real estate development company here in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Let me, let me do this EOS thing. I think I can, I can talk intelligently about it because I have experience. It's a framework that people people know and trust. Yeah. Do you want and to define I, that for people that maybe are hearing that for the first time? It's probably not totally. people, but maybe, maybe some. Yep. yep. EOS is, it stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And that is a fancy acronym and word for a simple set of practical tools that you can install in your business to get more from your business. Yep. It boils, boils down to six components and essentially, you know, entrepreneurs, we have about 136 things we're wrestling with at any given moment. The EOS system basically says that of those 136 issues, if you if you can strengthen these six components, you're going to solve those 136 issues. So you can implement EOS by yourself. You can install that in your own business. You read a couple of books like Traction and Get a Grip and Rocket Fuel, and you can install that in your business yourself. I've done it. Or you can work with a professional EOS implementer who has some entrepreneurial experience, is trained in the system, is a world-class listener, facilitator, and teacher, and they'll guide you along your journey, which is can be very beneficial for companies. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I am implementing EOS in companies that want to break through the ceiling and get to the next level and think EOS is a tool that can help them. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down. I love EOS, big fan of Gino Wickman, big fan of the framework they've put together. Um, I think I'm in that former group that's implemented probably a lot of it in my various companies, but uh, in kind of a DIY fashion. Sure. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm in in GoBundance and have been forever in our, our GoPod. We meet every two weeks and we, we use the EOS framework for that meeting. Yeah, that's um, great. When, uh, you know, you've done 
kind of see both sides of the table as an entrepreneur and an implementer. When do you see companies kind of trigger for, hey, we need an implementer for this? Is it like revenue size? Is it a, you know, the size of the issues they're facing? Who's a fit for like, let's bring in an implementer versus somebody that uh, I guess isn't? Is it is there a trigger? Is it different for every company? I wouldn't say there's a trigger, um, but let's let's start at the basics. An EOS implementer can cost between four thousand and twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars a day. Yep. And EOS implementation, I would budget for about five days, full days per year. So it is not a small investment. Sure. If you're a company that's making less than a million dollars in revenue and you're just eking out profit, can EOS implementation help you? Yes. But only if you have the cash and reserves on top of what you would pay an implementer. I would say that that's a big component of it. No doubt. In the by the book, EOS implementation is geared towards companies of 10 to 250 people who are realizing at least $2 million in revenue. Can it work for your company if you if you don't fall on those parameters? Yes. Here's a couple other things. You got to be you got to have a culture of openness and vulnerability and a willingness to say we're 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 messing this up, we're weak here, we have these weaknesses and we want to do something about it. So if you think you got everything figured out and you and you're not open to change and ideas and new ways of thinking about things. It's probably not for you. Bringing in an implementer will also help you if you have a tendency to group think, mm-hmm. to get in a vacuum and just kind of have the same patterns of the way you think and the way that you attack problems and issues. Um, an implementer will come in and be an objective third party. They'll understand the tools. They'll be a world-class facilitator. And by that, I mean, they're going to tease out the realities. They're not going to let you just circle and ruminate and continue (laughs) in those patterns of thinking. They're going to tease out what's really going on. And that can be uncomfortable. Sure. And people, just human nature, they don't gravitate to doing things that are uncomfortable for themselves or for their teams by themselves. Yep. They, They tend to trend towards what's comfortable and known and safe. So if you want to get real and you want to get uncomfortable and you don't, you're not particularly confident in your ability to do that by yourself, that's the implementer's job. I love it. That's such a great breakdown. And I imagine that you kind of spell that out in the, probably the first meeting or call, right? Like this is not, uh, I don't know. You're not going to helicopter in and just bandaid stuff. Like we're going to take a hard look. Yes. a lot of people, I mean, does it stop there for people that are just like, no, we don't want to, we don't want to look under that rock. We just want to keep on keeping on. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it can for sure. And I think yeah. um, as a, an experienced implementer too, you get a sense for where the team is mm-hmm. and you know, the, the U S the U S community is all one of their core values is the abundance mindset and they're the whole thing is, you know, businesses, they need this tool more than any implementer needs their business. Yep. And if, and if they sense that you're not ready yet, then a good implementer is not going to say, well, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know, you, you can sense when people are just not, they're not completely ready yet. 
Um, but when people are, they think they, at least they're willing to give it a rip. That's when magic can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Can we dive into the high level framework of what EOS is just to kind of break that down for people? Yes. The highest level is three things. We, we found that companies, when they're trying to break through at the next level, break through that next ceiling, they're lacking vision, they're lacking traction, and they're lacking some level of health. And what that means is they're in, in lacking vision, they're just, they're lacking a clear vision of the future and how they plan to get there. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and maybe the, the, the guy or girl at the helm knows what that looks like. But the people, a couple layers down, it's not clear. Yep. Lacking traction looks like you're doing things in your business. You look, you walk around or you interact with people and they're busy, they're doing things, but it's very clear that they're not doing the most important things. They're not executing in a way that moves your vision forward. That's a lack of traction. A lack of being healthy is culture. So people, especially the leadership team, not particularly liking each other, not having a lot of fun, and then, and thus not not being particularly productive and not communicating well. So that's vision, traction, and healthy. In order to address those th- those three things and improve them, it's six components. It's vision, people, and data. It's traction, issues, and traction. And you address, you address the six components, like I mentioned earlier, 136 issues in, in six components, and you're going to solve a lot of things. Yeah, no doubt. Love it. Thanks for breaking that down. Can we jump into like a case study? This is a great concepts, um, you know, coming into a business before picture and kind of an after picture and what, you know, what that would mean to somebody to, to go through that process. Yeah, totally. I'll tell you about my own business. Love it. So, and and the six components, vision, people, data, issues, process, and traction. I forgot process, and that's because it's my least favorite, like least favorite component. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so case study for my own business, and and this this is the typical model. I mean, you you start you start a business and you just start doing business. You're yep. selling, you're hiring, you're operating. For me, it was a real estate company and we were, we were marketing, we were selling, we were acquiring, we were doing paperwork, we were doing rehabs, we were either selling or refinancing and then hiring people as needed and, and repeat. And it didn't take long for us to realize Okay, there's a lot of redundancy here. Um, and we have these goals that we want to accomplish. And we just, it just seems like we're just buttoned up against the ceiling here. Like mm-hmm. we just can't seem to get to the next level. So I read traction and decided okay, we're going to do this. We're going to implement EOS. And the very first tool that had, had and often does have the most impact for people is the accountability chart. Right. And, and the accountability chart works with, it works like this. You, you keep the people out of it. So even if you are currently the, I don't know, the director of sales and marketing, it doesn't matter. The, we're talking about workload here. We're talking about the seats, the right seats in your organization. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what we did. 
And I've done this since with, with other companies. And the power in that is taking all of this work that you know is happening and that you're doing in your company and, and organizing it and starting to put it in its place, which is good because it helps you, it helps you visually see all the work that that's, that's happening in your business. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you start putting names in there and now somebody, somebody with a name is accountable for that work. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's a game changer because now we could see, okay, the five people or whoever, who was on, who were in this accountability chart, you're responsible for this. And this is your number. And this is who you report to. And you are responsible for this. And this is your number or set of numbers. And this is who you report to. And me, I was the integrator in this uh, particular business. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm responsible for. And it's my job to hold you guys accountable for the data that we're tracking from week to week that we've decided together makes us, makes us successful. So that uh, we doubled our business after, after EOS. Um, and that's huge. I don't want gla to glaze past that. What kind of a time frame was that over? About two years. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. About two years. Um, you know, and it's, it's just the way my mind works that it's, and I think it makes sense. Only once you set a foundation and you build the framework and structure, can you really pour gas on the fire and let it burn? Right. 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 And it, and it, some of that's just confidence. And so maybe, sure. maybe my business didn't grow because I lacked the confidence and I really had doubt in our ability to, to get to the next level. And so I wasn't, I wasn't willing to let go of things. And I wasn't really willing to hit the throttle to the level that, that we really needed to, because in the back of my mind, I had doubt because of process breakdown and accountability breakdown or yeah, and, and just not having a lot of confidence that we were all rowing in the right direction. So with that infrastructure, it's, it gives you a lot of confidence and some peace of mind to, all right, we built this thing. It's a, it's a, it's a better oiled machine, if not a fine tuned and well, well oiled machine. Let's go. Let's, let's just, there's no excuse now. Let's put, let's increase our marketing. Let's get some salespeople in here and let's just freaking set this thing on fire. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Which is what, which is what we did. And we doubled our business and you know, it, it worked. It worked. I love it, man. Great, great case study. Will you guys, what kind of real estate, um, Projects you guys doing development stuff, flips, a little bit of everything. Yeah, all single family yep. flips and some holds. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of process, man. I I ran a flipping company for a couple of years. It is uh, a lot of moving parts, a it lot is. of people management. It it's is. fairly capital intense if you're doing no, number of projects. You know, yep. writing a bunch of checks, hoping yep. there's a big one at the end. Yeah. A lot of variables that can impact that. A lot yeah, of it's occasionally some heartbreak, but yeah. it can systematize. And that was, you know, I, I, that was one of the things I think we did okay with the house flipping business was kind of systematizing and automating and just building this assembly line on things. But it's a, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to house flipping business. I would yeah. say I, one of the more complex models of doing real estate. 
I underestimated it for sure. And I think yeah. a lot of people, do. I did too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you this do a is, few, you see good margins and you're like, scale this up. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's do more of this. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> there's just money flying everywhere and there's title companies and lenders and this contractor and that contractor. Yeah. And yeah, it can get hairy in a hurry. No doubt. <laughs> no nope. doubt, man. Still got a couple houses that I, that I, uh, have held for years and years and years, finally trying to sell them. Not a super great market to sell them in, but I'm just like, I'm over these houses, man. I gotta, mm. I gotta get out of these things. Basis is low enough that whatever, just sell them. But yes, uh, they're, they're just long-term rentals that you. Yeah. Some of them had for years and years. Some of them were, were failed flips, which, you know, real estate's kind of cool. And then it can be forgiving. Uh, you give it enough time and kind of any deal can be overcome if you can stomach it or, or finance it, um, you know, you let enough time pass and, oh, hey, you know, so bought this deal, couldn't sell it at 180K. Right. It would have lost money as a flip. Now we're selling it for, you know, 310. You yeah. know, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, you let enough time go by. Problem is the dollars eroded incredibly in the, in the last seven years as well. So you're like, what, what is this doing in terms of Purchasing power, I get a little depressed when I think about that, but at least in dollar terms, it, it you're coming out on top. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And that, with most deals can work out that way, man. I, the end of last year, you know, have you ever gotten advice from somebody and said, nah, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then that advice that you should have heeded comes back to bite you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's like yeah. you, it's almost like advice is futile. You're just not going to know until you know. But you know, mentors and smarter people than I told me to stay out of certain neighborhoods, stay out of the hood, oh, don't sure. buy there. Yeah, sure. But but then you see you see the numbers and the potential there, and you're like, nah, man, this is this is going to work. I'm going to do this. And then boom, you get your hand caught in the cookie jar. Yeah. And you don't want to hold that thing. I mean, you'd rather spend 50 grand to get rid of it than to hold that thing and deal with the headaches that, that will ensue just by having it in your portfolio. So yep. I don't, that story is only to say, listen to the people who are around you and smarter than you and who have been there as much as possible, L at least think twice. And yep. also, you know, sometimes you just don't know until you know, until you get your hand caught in the cookie jar. That's totally true. And there's no, um, I mean, we all want to like step perfectly through the minefield to the promised land. And uh, that's just not how it is. That's not how right. it's going to Nobody that's, uh, you know, I'll tell us people that are going through tough times with their, with their business or real estate stuff or whatever. It's like nobody that you look up to that's got a you know billion doors or worth all this money or has this lifestyle. Like that wasn't a, pain-free path to where they got they're just real good at handling it because they've had they've got all the scars doesn't mean they didn't go through it so yeah. to think yeah. you're going to get to the other side of whatever you know freedom money etc like that's not coming without some some scars and some some learning lessons obviously we do everything we can to mitigate it but um there's yeah. something very real about those lessons that cost you in blood that you just like I don't know if there's another way to internalize that than to have gone through <laughs> yeah. that. That's exactly right. Yeah. And dude, it sucks at the time, but now, oh, yeah, now it's like, it's, it's woven into the fabric of who I am. It, yes. You know, it's, I don't think about it every day, but it certainly affects the way I approach things. Right. Every day. 
Yeah. And there's no substitute for it. No, there's not. Just, there's not, there isn't. I love books. I listen to a, you know, book a week. I'm constantly consuming stuff. It's great. That's one Avenue. Um, yeah. but there's no substitute for, for going through it. And that's just, uh, that's just the, that's just the way it is. So better to, yeah. better to embrace it. Yeah. Hard things and pain are very useful. Yep. There's, you know, I think about like our company's last 10 years that we've grown them. It's kind of a joke, but kind of <laughs> very true too, that where we are with our companies is a result of like literally everything else not working. We tried that, uh, didn't work. Try that, got burned. Try that, didn't work. This thing didn't work, didn't work, you know, a thousand times. Well, what are we left with? Well, we do this, these couple things and we do them real well. How come? Okay. Well, we yeah. tried all the other stuff and yeah. have kind of been directed through painful experiences to, okay, well, I guess we're, I guess we're going here because right there was this, this door was really painful. Not yeah. doing that again. And just like, I mean, a thousand times, you know, right. but not never, never fatal. Right. Yeah. Never, never yeah. you know, to a point where it was fatal or we lost investors money or anything like that. I've right. certainly taken plenty, plenty of licks, but yeah, it's instructive yeah. too. I think if you can, if you can frame it that way. Is there another way? I mean, is there a way to figure right. out what you are geared for and meant for and can do the best other than pushing on a bunch of doors and figuring out what's what? Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. What do you look for? What do you think is like an ideal business to work with when you're, you know, when you meet with a team and I guess who, who you meet with, you meet with founders, owners, you meet with, you know, leadership teams, leadership yeah. teams. And, yeah, and most what of the makes time, you those go are like, founders. man, these guys are, I'm going to be able to like knock it out of the park with these guys. What, 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 what are the markers there? Yeah. I mean, if they're having a, one of the first things you do in the EOS process is you go and you sit with the team, meet with the team and you, it's called a 90 minute meeting and it's free. So if there's an implementer that you're, that you know, or you could know, and you're thinking about EOS, every single implementer in the country or in the world, actually, they're doing a free 90 minute meeting and they'll lay it all out for you. And it's the sentiment is if it, if this sounds like something that would be good for you and I'm a good fit, great. If not, no pressure, it's fine. I'd take those 90 minute meetings, but in those 90 minute meetings, you ask questions. I mean, one of the first things you do is you go around the table and you ask each individual to speak in front of their peers and rate their business on a set of certain things. Yeah. And if you can, you can get a sense of honesty and authenticity and the way people squirm when, when they're answering those questions, oh, Yeah, I bet. just from that, from right out the bat, you yep. know? Um, and that's, that's what you want. That's, that's where magic happens. Openness, willing, willing to, willingness to admit that you don't have all the answers or at least you don't have them yet. And that you are, you're looking for a different way of doing things or an improvement on the way that you're doing things. I think that's when you, when you, when you get a sense of people being willing to do that and be open and honest, even if it is uncomfortable and you think you might, it might offend somebody in the room. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where magic can happen. Do you find, I, I, I would just imagine you've got a team that works together and they've got their own thing. Is there, is there a real fear of an outsider being in there? Do you have to kind of do some things to, to get over that? Like, Hey, we're about to really kind of 
lay some stuff out. We just met this guy or gal, you know, is, is that an issue or it's not really an issue? I think it can be. I think what helps is, and I'm not saying this has to be the case for everybody, but it helps that I, that I, to some extent, even though I may not understand your industry, I get it. I know what it's like to lose sleep. I know what it's like to worry about paying overhead and, and writing payroll checks for the next month. Yeah, you bet. That having been in the trenches really helps because I'm, you know, I have lived their, their life. Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 there's some trust that's built in that. Yeah. So we talked, you talked a little bit earlier about um, kind of the commitment. It's, it's a, it's a certain number of hours a year is kind of a standard deal. Is this a quarterly thing that you come in and I'm certain there's a process top to bottom, but what is like a, from a time commitment from a company on year one, how, what are they, what are you guys doing together? Yeah. Good question. Year one is if you decide to move forward with an implementer, year one is three setup days. It's a focus day and two vision building days. Each one of those days is six to eight hours in a room with your implementer and your leadership team. Those three days are 30 days apart because yeah. there's some work to be done in between them. But sure. that's the time that you spend in a room with your implementer talking about the things that need talked about. From there, it's that implementer will run your quarterly meetings. So every 90 days, you with your implementer will talk about what just happened and what needs to happen over the next 90 days. That's mm -hmm. also a six to six to eight hour day. Mm -hmm. And if, if you, if it makes sense in the, in your first year for it to be, uh, for you to do an annual planning, then that's a two day thing where you talk about what happened in the last year and what you want to happen in the year to come. So in your first year, I would, I would estimate five days, the three setup days and maybe two quarterlies. And then every year after that, it's five meetings, it's three quarterlies, and then your two day annual planning. And then the, the way it works is, your EOS implementer wants to be out in two years. They want to hand nice. over everything to you and, and phase themselves out. Not, if you still want them, of course, they'll, they'll stick around. But that's the idea that eventually you're doing this on your own and you don't really need them anymore. Yeah, I love it. I love it's kind of a finite engagement and ideas to get you, get you running on your own two feet. Right. Um, we talked earlier about taking advice and how... Sometimes we're not open to it, but I want to kind of talk about, I guess, flaws or failures you see. Are there some common traps that you're seeing owners or leaderships, I'm sorry, leadership teams uh, do that may like a big problem? I think for all of us is we're, our self-awareness, right? We just mm -hmm. kind of don't know where our blind spots are. It might be so easy for somebody outside to see. Are there some a common set of issues, challenges, or, you know, um, approaches that are not working for teams that you come in and see sometimes you're like, Oh man, this is kind of an easy, easy fix here. If you could see the blind spot um, or are people's problems, you know, are they all the same? Or is it, is it, is it a, a million different flavors of challenges that companies have? You know, they all kind of fit into, I mean, it's a dead horse at this point, but the, the six components. <laughs> sure, and, sure. I mean, just, just think about it. I mean, the, the blind spots and that's, that's, 
the beauty of EOS is that it's just a simple set of tools and frameworks that once you once you really start implementing them, the blind spots just start kind of raising to the surface, right? But so the blind spots raise to the surface and then the opportunities raise to the surface. A lot of a lot of low hanging fruit is that people they don't have a there's not accountability because there's not a structure of who's supposed to be doing what and who's accountable to who mm-hmm. and how we're measuring whether or not you're successful. Yeah. So that's data and that's an accountability chart. Another thing is, man, most people's meetings, they suck. They're yeah. just, they're inefficient. They're a waste of time. They're having a bunch of them per, per week. And then in between meetings, they're doing a bunch of emails and messages and text messages about the same stuff. And they just beat, they, they just beat the same stuff over and over and over again. They don't really solve their solving their issues. So, I mean, you guys use the, the level 10 meeting and the, and the IDS framework solving, getting to a root cause of an issue, solving it and moving on. I mean, that that's powerful, but that is something that just businesses don't do. I've yeah. been on part of teams. They just, we talk about the same stuff every week. And then our meetings are just, I was in one this morning. Yes. And I'm an EOS implementer. I wasn't in charge of the agenda. We spent 40 minutes talking about nothing in the last 20 minutes talking about actual, what we called the meeting for. And it's like, we, we all just wasted an hour. And if you added all of our hourly rates together, I mean, how much, how much did we literally just burn here? Yep. So, you know, and you, you go around to fortune 500 companies or, you know, a lot of companies of various sizes, this is the pattern. People don't communicate well. People mm-hmm. don't know exactly what their job is. People don't know what's expected of them. They're having crappy meetings. They're, and that, that makes you miserable. <laughs> that makes you, if you're an employee in a company like that, you're just, you're looking to do something else. Yep. Or maybe you work from home and you are doing something else. Yeah. Uh, and we can, we can, we can do better. We can clean that up. We can, we can do better. We can have better meetings. We can be clear in our communication. We can be better leaders. And I'm not saying you're not a good leader as in you don't possess leadership qualities and you don't care about your people, but we can use tools that will help us lead more effectively. Mm-hmm. Those are common issues. And it seems like if we could do, if we could spread that across the entire world into all you know, several million businesses that exist out there. I mean, the world would just be a great, better place. Yeah. Yeah. It is a simple framework. And then obviously there's a need for implementers, which tells you something, right? It's not reading a book with a great, simple idea, right? Execution, like anything we're, I was joking with a lender this morning, you know, he's looking at a, we're sending him a deal for possible refinance. And he's like, yeah, send over the pro forma. You know, I was like, you know, asking some questions. He's like, well, you know, I've never seen a pro forma that didn't work. Right. Never seen a business plan that wasn't good, but he's like, send right. me, you know, send me what you got. It's like, yeah, this, these ideas are great. Yeah. I got lots of good ideas. Right. You know, we all do. Yeah. This execution yeah. is a hundred percent of it. All yeah. execution. So yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a visionary too. And as a hundred, a <laughs> hundred ideas per day. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's so it. It's, it's handy to have, process and people who can execute first of all sift through all the ideas that are awful 
sure. get to one that's pretty decent and then put a plan together and execute it. Yep. Yep. That's it. Well, Harvey, appreciate it, man. I love diving into this stuff and, and talking about it. Um, how can somebody get in touch with you if they're curious to learn more, learn about what you do? Do you work nationally? Do you work in your backyard? What do you do? I do work nationally. Yeah. yeah. Um, my email is harvey.yurgen at gmail.com. Jurgen is spelled Y-E-R-G-I-N. Uh, we have a operation of EOS implementation and other services, business education and value services. It's called the Center of Excellence. So you can go to Center of Excellence on Facebook or centerofexcellence.us and it'll tell you what we have available. I love it. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, folks, scroll down to the brief description there and click on through. Um, huge fan of EOS. And I've actually never spoken with uh, an implementer. So I've talked talked to plenty of friends that own businesses, you know, guys that you and I both know that have that have brought in implementers. Um tangentially involved myself with kind of the EOS universe, but this is really great, yeah. man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you, Devin. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a good one. We'll see you. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com.